With the last of my strength, I pull something deep inside. What are you doing? Is, is that... Butchery's a dying art, like the brush technique of Renaissance artists or Morris dancing. There's a feel to it, can't be put in words. You need to get a sense of it. A good butcher can glance at a carcass hanging on the hook and tell you how well it was fed and how stressed it was at slaughter. I learned it from my pa, and he learned it from his pa, in the back room of Farnham and Sons Butchers. One chamber of a beating heart of a cosy little farming village, along with a post office and bat and ball pub, hid in the crease of a Sussex valley. All that's gone now. The family butcher shop went to the bank and the village to the yuppies that only drive down from the city for the weekends after they're done ploughing the economy with their schlongs. I don't get to ply my trade across the hardwood counter that my grandfather fitted. I do it hemmed in by aluminium at a major supermarket chain. Oh, you know it. With the hum of the neon strip lighting drilling into my skull. People don't recognize quality anymore. They just want their meat hermetically sealed thrice over with a cute little sticker that says organic with cartoon grass behind it. At least that's what Andre says, the branch manager. He's managed 11 branches across the country and has an MA in business studies from Manchester University. And he'll tell you that most times he sees you. He talks a lot about customer retention through brand friendliness. But his go-to catchphrase is value, value, value. That he Tourette's through his mandatory team-building meetings as he chugs from his custom creatine protein shake. Morning, Charlie. Hello, Fred. What's the rumpus? Got the door down this weekend. Thought about getting the barbie out of the shed. You'll be after some bangers, then. Oh, you read my mind. I've had a special cut in, Fred. As lean as the grass is green. Mmm. <laughs> Been nibbling at the cured scrap for myself all day. Mmm, sounds good to me. Give me half a dozen. Mm. Oh, thanks much to Charlie. Ta-ra. See you, Fred. I have my regulars, though, mostly older folk. They appreciate a good cut. They take it home and they cook it right, too. I always make sure to leave a little off the scale. Not like head office would notice. They make their margins on bespoke ready meals. Andre told us all about it. Oh, there were charts. He wanted us to recommend them any time someone asked for anything. The chicken breast, madam, aisle four. But if you were planning to cook a meal such as Hunter's Chicken or a Masala, then may I direct you to... I mean, why cook when you have a perfectly good microwave to serve you a damp, sad meal wrapped in plastic? Good morning, Charlie. Hello, Mrs. Havendish. What can I do you for? Join. I've got What was it again? Ah, yes. 
Mancurian long. It's such a hit at the Rotary that they've asked me to pay to this weekend for the Rotary Club. Have you got dinner before me? Oh, I'm afraid I let the last joint of that go this morning. But I tell you what, I should be making up some pork belly from the same cut. That'd be any good. Oh, that'd be grand. I could put on a brisket. Just a ticket. I can see from your trolley you have just got started. You go get yourself sorted, my love. I shall have it ready on your way back. Oh, you are a danger, Charlie. I'll see you in a moment. Mm. Sheila! Oi, Sheila! Man the counter a mo. Just going out back to work up some stock. No joints, no. Still got that lean, protein-packed belly, though. And we can't be letting down Mrs. Havendish's Bridge Club, can we? What would that do for customer retention? <laughs> Choice Cuts starred Neil James, Lucy Mapstead and Peter Gardiner. Trevor Woodrow didn't think about much. When he was walking down the main aisle of the office of General Brother Investments at the end of the day, he didn't think of why everyone was frantically googling and ringing people instead of gathering their brollies and coats. He didn't think much about the homeless drug addicts that accosted him in the car park, slather all down his chin eyes spider-webbed with bulging blood vessels. He didn't think much about the gouge marks he'd scraped into Trevor's forearms with his broken nails. As he peeled away onto the rain-slick A24 in his mopey blue Peugeot, Trevor didn't think much about why that tramp was in a three-piece suit, or that the arm that lunged for him had a Rolex clasped tight around sallowed grey flesh. Nor did he think much about the half-dozen ambulance and police pounding past him through the night. The scream of them lighting up the crash guard and roadside shrubs in stark red-blue. Trevor didn't think much of the Annalini and Brodo that his wife had reheated in the microwave. And when she started in on the many names and dates of their social engagements, he did what he always did. He found a middle point on the horizon, far out of the kitchen window, and let his mind go hazy and double-focused. Trevor didn't think much about his dull, nauseating headache, nor of the hot, cold itch radiating from the gouge marks along his arm as he changed into the pyjama suit his Aunt Edith got him one long, long Christmas. Lisa Woodrow didn't know what to think of the scream that woke her, echoing round their little red brick cul-de-sac. She knew to ring for help, though, when she found her husband next to her in bed, glassy-eyed, mute, and cold as clay. She also didn't know why the phone was disconnected, or of the ringing of burglar alarms that were starting to announce themselves from her many neighbours. When her husband came lurching into the kitchen, and she tried to calm and comfort him with a deep embrace, 
All she could think of was pain and fear and confusion as his teeth sank into the mutton of her shoulder and ripped off a sodden mouthful. On the black tiled floor of their open plan kitchen, Lisa Woodrow was past thinking. As the thing that was once Trevor pulled apart the skin of her belly like the plastic film of a ready meal and went hog wild on the udon noodles of her intestines, the milk-white eyes of the thing that was once Trevor betrayed no thought at all. But deep, deep inside, Trevor Woodrow was screaming and weeping and pleading with the body that was once his. And when a light flicked on upstairs, and the voice of six-year-old Gemma Woodrow cried out for comfort and her parents' warm embrace, and when the thing that was once Trevor slowly stood up and began shambling towards the pink hue of the Cinderella nightlight. Trevor Woodrow had only one thought, burning bright in the drying cells of his brain, raging against the indifference of his limbs, against the new dull purpose of his physical being. One thought he silently screamed harder than all of the thoughts he'd ever had. Stop! Stop! Please, God, stop! Try the Veil starred Neil James and Lucy Mapstad. Hello, my little angel. As I tie this letter by candlelight, I wonder where you'll be when you read it. I wonder what will be around you. I wonder what your face will look like. Will you have my eyes? Your father's smile. All I know is you feel strong and alive as you squirm around in my belly. At night I cradle you and feel you kick and struggle inside through the dark, dark hours. Most of all, I wonder if you live in fear. I want you to know about the world I knew, the one you want. It was so very loud and so very bright. There were screens everywhere, little windows of entertainment or banality or horror, whatever was your whim. You could talk to anyone, go anywhere, see anything. You'd never be cold. You'd never be alone. There was always a raging tap just within reach of voices or music or light. But now I just have this typewriter, a campfire, a chamomile tea and the stars. You will know them, my angel. You will see them more vividly than I ever could as a child. I hope you never outgrow the wonder of them, what they can teach us and ultimately what they told us. It started as a tiny green light in the middle of Messier-13, a galaxy a long way from us. Anyone could see that green dot with a cheap telescope and a clear night, blinking on and off, erratic, deliberate. There was a maths to it, and once the riddle of it was solved, a basic, universal sort of message. A word. Stop. 
over and over again. Stop. It went on that way for five years, then the message changed. It hears. It sees. It devours. Then Messier 13 was gone from the night sky, as if it never existed at all. Just a black, ragged hole where wonder should be. Not long after, other galaxies started to blink out, one after another, closer and closer. So we made a choice. Every nation, every creed. The lights went off, the power died with the whinny. We put aside what we thought we couldn't live without, yet found that we could. So now, when half the world spins away from the sun, there is no longer the billion pinpricks of streetlights, just the dull whisper of candles and campfires. We pray that it is enough, that we have not echoed through the stars so loudly, so thoughtlessly. I pray for you, my angel, that whatever lurks out there may never find you. Go Dark starred Nora Blashstock. All You Can Eat was an audio drama anthology for Whispers in the Static, written by Peter Gardner and produced by 2-Bit Productions. For more episodes, please find us on the iTunes store or go to 2bitproductions.com forward slash podcast.